Hello, and welcome to the Claremont Bible Fellowship Bible Instruction Time. We now turn you over to our speaker for the day. Now turn the remainder of our meeting over to Brother Mike Fitzhugh. And we have handouts. It's a new edition, so everybody gets that. But for some lucky, two lucky souls, I have two copies of the first couple pages. First hand I see gets one copy. Oh, okay. <laughs> Second hand I see gets another copy. Over on the end. All right, everybody else gets what's coming today. All right, good. Good morning, everyone. It's good to see you. It is good to meet. I've met some of the Canadian contingent, so it's good to have you here. Welcome. And uh, I, too, come from cold country, from Michigan, up near Grand Rapids. So um, although it's slightly warmer in Grand Rapids, I think, than in some of those places in Canada. But we're glad you're here, and it's good to meet a number of you. I'm going to pray here in a moment, and uh, we'll get those handouts Hand it out first. You have come here to escape some cold weather, some of you. How many did that? Was that why you're here? Okay, you're being honest. Good. Okay. How many of you, if you're like, uh, I don't know, 17 and under, came to escape school? Come on, be honest. All right. Well, it's too bad that was your reason for coming because we are having a pop quiz today to start things off. All right. Uh, A review quiz. And, uh, you know, a pop quiz in school is when you can't study for it, right? You, you don't know it's coming. You don't expect it. So um, we are kind of jumping right into the middle of our study. This is our third message on spiritual gifts. So I used to have a teacher, and, and I'm kind of emulating him. He would give us in college what was called 10 easy ones. So that's what we've got. We're going to go through them real fast because I've got a lot of other things I need to cover today. But um, for those of you who know the answer, or if you've been with us in our study and you know the answer, um, the correct answer, uh, I'd like you to help us out, okay? So we will pray in a minute, but this is the the pop quiz just to get us going here. In, In our last session, we talked about, we compared possessing and exercising spiritual gifts uh, to construction workers uh, who use their very skills and their abilities uh, to build a house. And in 1 Corinthians 3, you know that the Apostle Paul used this metaphor of building construction, and he referred to himself as a blank blank. Yes? Wise master builder. Very good. We had two of you knew the answer. Good. Uh, I'm sure more did too. Uh, and to believers as God's building, as God's building, okay? He, he talks about that in uh, 1 Corinthians there, chapter 3. Um, also, as number two, as God's fellow workers, Peter makes it clear in 1 Peter 2, 5, that we are being built up as a blank, blank, spiritual house. Of course, it depends on your version, I suppose. As a spiritual house, um, for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Number three, uh, in relation to spiritual gifts, the principle of reciprocity. Now, if you had to be with us 
in in the last couple of weeks to remember this one. The principle of reciprocity says that where there is inflow, there should be outflow. outflow. Very good, class. And uh, what two bodies of water illustrate that principle? We mentioned those. Anybody? Andy? Okay, you got one of them. Jordan River, right. Jordan River and the Dead Sea. Jordan River is fed by all kinds of streams and waters coming down from Mount Hermon all the way down. The Jordan River is has inflow, but it gets to the Dead Sea and there's no outflow. So the principle of reciprocity says there needs to be both, inflow and outflow. Um, and uh, we talked about John seven thirty-seven to 39, where it says, Now on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke of the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive, for the Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. So God, by his Spirit, he wants there, he's come into us, he dwells in us as believers, and uh, he has imparted to us his various spiritual gifts and abilities. And rather than becoming stagnant and, and inactive, God's intention is that these be active, uh, flowing out of us, enabling us to serve others in Christ's body. Um, another question, to whom or to what three entities are spiritual gifts vitally important? Does anybody remember any of the three that you're in our study? Body of Christ. Body of Christ, yep. Mm-hmm. The other two are to individual believers, body of Christ, and to the world even. They're important because as we exercise our gifts, the church is built up, the church is strengthened, and then we can shine the light of Christ more effectively to this world, in this world. Number five, in terms of their source, where do spiritual gifts come from and when are they given? Where do they come from? God, the Holy Spirit, and when are they given? That's right. At the time of our salvation, when we're born again, right? Very good. Uh, I made this very radical statement, and the people from Toronto and Canada are are just going to be shocked by this if they haven't heard it before. I made the radical statement that every born-again believer is a charismatic, meaning, here's a multiple-choice question, meaning that every Christian can and should speak in tongues, or B, every Christian has been given certain charismata, literally grace gifts, by which to edify, build up, and build up the body of Christ. Or C, every Christian should have the physical ability to roll down the aisle whenever prompted by the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I think a Canadian said that, amen. I'm not sure. Oh, boy. I thought they were far more conservative than that. <laughs> um, uh, which one is it, A, B, or C? B, B that's right, that's right. Uh, it's simply that every believer has been given certain grace gifts, certain charismata. True or false, charismata are grace gifts, unearned, that is unearned and undeserved, that all Christians receive from God the Holy Spirit for the purpose of serving and building up or strengthening the body of Christ. True, absolutely true. And then number eight, spiritual gifts can be and often are counterfeited. 
True or false? True, right. Certainly are. And then number nine, because every believer has been grace gifted by the Holy Spirit to serve the body of Christ, every believer therefore is a minister. True, that's right. Because the word ministry or minister in scripture simply means servant or one who serves. Uh, And then number 10, spiritual gifts are given only to certain people, namely only to believers in Christ. True, right. So they're all true. All the true, all the true and false questions are true. Okay. Well, that's our little quiz just to review where we were at. Give me a moment here to switch to my other uh, notes here. And we are going to jump into where we left off, but we're going to first have a word of prayer. Okay. All right. Thank you, Lord, for this time together. Thank you for your precious word. Lord, we, we love you. We love your word. And we thank you that we've been able to worship this morning and remember our Lord Jesus. And we thank you for the gifts that he, as Paul says in Ephesians 4, that he has given to men, that he has given to the church, gifted men. And he has also given spiritual gifts to individual believers. And Lord, we pray that as we study these things, we would be better equipped to serve the body of Christ and to minister to one another. So we pray that your Holy Spirit, who has given these gifts, would teach us this morning and that we would learn much and be built up in the faith. We commit our time to you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like to ask you to turn to 1 Corinthians 12, chapter 12. And we're going to read just a few of the verses there to get you back into where we're we're at. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, Paul says, Concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware or ignorant. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray uh, to the mute idols. However, you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, there are, and this is a very important passage right here, we're going to be talking a lot about these particular verses. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of ministries and the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And then he goes on to describe a number of those spiritual gifts. Uh, but for the time being, we want to we want to get back to where we left off. And uh, what we want to talk about now, it's point number six on your handout and your outline. We want to talk about their terminology. How many believe the Bible is inspired by the Holy Spirit of God? I hope you all the hands go up, right? Uh, inerrant, infallible, God-breathed, amen? Inspired, God-breathed by the, the Spirit of God. So the words, the terms in Scripture are extremely important. We know down to every jot and tittle. Uh, they're important. So we want to talk about terminology and really understand these things uh, before we go much farther. Uh, spiritual gifts are described by a number of different terms. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 12, 6, they're called, first of all, energizings. 
depends on your translation, I realize, or effects, the New American Standard would translate it, or operations would be the King James Version. The New King James says activities, and I didn't, I can't give you all the versions, there's just too many, right? Um, but the word here for energizings or effects or operations or activities is energema, and this is the Greek word, from the Greek word energeo, and, and it means, uh, we get the English word work from that word, work and energy, uh, to energize. And it, here it literally means energizings, or that which is produced by the energy and the working of God, the Holy Spirit. Uh, God produced effects by the Spirit of God, in other words. And no matter what the TV ads say, God, the Holy Spirit, is the only one who keeps on going and going and going, right? Uh, Because he is eternal and his power is eternal. So spiritual gifts are the workings or the effects or the operations or energizings that are produced by the power of God. That's one key term, okay? Uh, Number two, spiritual gifts are also called services or ministries or administrations, the King James would translate it, from 1 Corinthians 12.5 and also from Ephesians 4.12. 1 Corinthians 12.5 says, And there are varieties of ministries in the same Lord. And here the word is pretty simple and straightforward. It's the Greek word diakonon, and we get our English word deacon from it, which means a servant or one who serves. In other words, services. And it simply means that, services. It's the same word as in Ephesians 4.12, you know it well, uh, where we read that gifted men were given to the church like pastors and teachers, for example, and they were to do the work of the what? of the ministry or of the service, the work of the ministry or service. And more than, uh, there is certainly more than one of those, and that would lead me to, to the question, how many services are there that can be rendered through the use of spiritual gifts? Well, the answer is many. There are varieties of ministries, varieties of services, uh, more than one. And so spiritual gifts render services to other believers, which leads us to another key term. And all of these kind of dovetail together. I kind of think of these terms like gears in a, in a well-oiled machine. They really all mesh together and relate to one another. Um, the, the next term is manifestations. Manifestations, 1 Corinthians 12, 7. And this word is phonorosis, which means a showing, an exhibition, a revealing, uh, to be manifested, to be revealed, to be expressed. Um, And this word talks about that very thing, revelation or expression. That is, there are a variety of ways that the Holy Spirit expresses himself, manifests himself through the channel of spiritual gifts. And you know, as persons, we, we can just on the human level, we can manifest or express or exhibit ourselves in many different ways. We can manifest anger or happiness or joy, uh, compassion. We can express ourselves in terms of sadness, uh, depression even, uh, happiness, exuberance. We can reveal a, a loving, caring, and helpful side 
we can manifest ourselves, express ourselves in many ways. We can be creative and comforting. We could be a teacher uh, or an exhorter or one who admonishes others. Those are ways we can manifest ourselves. Um, these are manifestations. That's the word here as used by Paul. And the point is that the Holy Spirit expresses himself, reveals himself in many different ways through the channel of the spiritual gifts he's given to us. And we all have them. We'll we'll talk about that more uh, as we go along. Just as our Lord Jesus, think about it, just as he revealed and expressed himself, right, in different ways, um, he, he was loving, he was confrontive, he was angry, uh, he cleared the temple, he was discerning, he was tender, kind, encouraging, all those things. He manifested himself and his personality in, in many different ways. And uh, we would say it this way, body one expressed himself in many ways, and so does body two. Now, if you're new to our study, we've discussed this. Body one was the Lord Jesus in his physical body as he walked this earth. We, we refer to him as body one for, for our, our purposes here. Body two is the body of Christ. The body two is believers who make up the body of Christ and he expresses himself through body two, through us corporately and through those spiritual gifts or the gifts of the spirit. Think of it another way. In the natural realm, we have the same basic body parts. We've got arms, legs, feet, a head, its ears, etc. You know, we understand that. But depending on our natural talents, we can use those parts. We can um, manifest ourselves through those parts in many different ways. Some people sing or speak or play an instrument. Um, maybe they are athletic. Some use their hands to create beautiful music or works of art with an infinite variety. We manifest ourselves in those ways. Some use their brains to accomplish great things. Others don't. Uh, okay. <laughs> You know how that works. Um, But as the scripture says, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. So we as human beings can express ourselves in in different ways. Uh, Well, the same is true in the spiritual realm. We see a similar truth. There are certainly different and varied manifestations of the Spirit's gifts in us. Now, some are public, more public. Some are more behind the scenes. Um, but you, you can just look at them. Well, you don't have that sheet that I had in mind. So uh, we, if you look for those who have the original notes on the very front title page, we've got the gifts listed. But um, I, I think you know what I mean. There are so many different spiritual gifts, uh, whether it be teaching, helps, encouragement, uh, exhortation, uh, all, you know, Whatever the gifts are, we manifest ourselves through those gifts, through serving in in so many different ways. Um, And so as we think about that, we come to then another term. And this was kind of the original term we began with, but this is part of the terminology. And that is grace gifts, the charismata. Charis is the word grace. Charismata simply refers to grace gifts. Uh, it simply means undeserved, unearned, and unmerited gifts. 
Uh, Paul makes it a point to say that there are diversities, and this is fascinating to me. I want you to really think with me on this. There are diversities, there in 1 Corinthians 12, or varieties of energizings, of services, or of ministries, or of manifestations, varieties of grace gifts. I looked it up, and I used the most reliable source there can be. I asked Siri on my iPhone about this, okay? And, and you know Siri can't go wrong. Uh, I asked Siri how many varieties of fish there are in the world. Scientists tell us there are some 3,000 plus varieties of fish. But that's nothing. I also asked Siri about plants. 391,000 varieties of plants in the world. And 369,000 of those are flowering plants, according to Sear. Um, my point is to say this, that there are varieties of gifts, varieties of energizing services, ministries, manifestations. However, they all come from the same Spirit, the Holy Spirit, from the same Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ, and from the same God, Almighty God. Amen? Amen. It's amazing. The varieties. That's why, folks, whenever you hear, you, you've heard a zillion teachers, I'm sure, Bible teachers. Are they all the same? They're all different. Just as, as often as their personalities are different, they're different. But they're different because their gifts are different. In even just a little, a small little way, or a small way. And I, I, later on in our study, we're going to talk about the fact, I'll just give you a preview, that your spiritual giftedness is like, a, you're like a spiritual snowflake. There's no two that are exactly alike. And, and that bears, uh, the evidence is right here. The proof is here when Paul says there are varieties. That's what he means by a lot, many varieties, diversities of gifts. And it's so important to keep that in mind. Uh, and you see, Paul here, I think, with the Corinthians, in terms of the context, he's showing the Corinthians where they had, where they had uh, erred, we could say, okay, to use an old word. Um, they were making the mistake, as many do today, they were emphasizing one or two or three spiritual gifts above all the others, namely tongues, right? That, that was one of the tongues and and healing all the showy gifts, and usually it was the sign gifts that they were so enthralled with, just as people are today. Um, and they were emphasizing those to the exclusion of all others. And besides that, many today emphasize not only certain gifts, but a certain member of the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And who usually gets the attention? The Holy Spirit. But that really contradicts John 16, 14, because the Lord Jesus said that when he would send his spirit, the spirit would glorify the son. In other words, draw all the honor, all the attention to the son, to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so people that make that mistake again, but that's my little rabbit trail. Um, Paul is essentially saying, wait a minute, there are many different gifts and ministries and effects. The implication being that no two uh, particular uh, that no particular gift is more important than the other. And so it's important to understand that. Uh, and though there are many different gifts, they all come from the same God, Paul says there in 1 Corinthians 12. 
the same God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And therefore the gifts all have the same source, the Holy Spirit. And though there are varieties of services, all serve the same Lord. We all serve the same Lord Master. And though there are varieties of effects and results, the power that produces those all come from the same, again, Almighty God. Therefore, if one effect or one particular gift seems to be more spectacular or more powerful or more successful than another, it's not because of you, is it? Not because of me. It's because of the person of the Holy Spirit who has given the gift. It's not because of the person exercising the gift. It's because of the God who gave the gift and because specifically of God, the Holy Spirit, who is energizing that gift. It's because of God who supplies the gift and the power. And so God and God alone should get all the glory. Amen? He should always get all the glory. I think of, uh, you know, the words in Isaiah 42, 8, I am the Lord, I am Jehovah, that is my name. I will not give my glory to another. He wants all the glory for himself and rightfully so. And in 1 Corinthians 4, 7, Paul wrote this, to the Corinthians, he was really chiding them. He said, for who regards you as superior? For who regards you as superior? Uh, and what do you have that you did not receive? But if you, re- if you did receive it, why do you boast as if you had not received it? In other words, it was a gift in the first place. It came from God himself. There's nothing to boast of except to boast. Like Paul would say, I will boast in the Lord, right? Because he's the one that created the gift. He's the one that imparted the gift. It came from him. Um, So may we never boast or become proud uh, in our service as we are exercising our gifts because they came They came from him and he is the one who deserves all the praise and the glory. Uh, may we also, and this is, should be the prayer of our hearts, may we be in submission to our one Lord Jesus Christ to use whatever grace gifts God gives us for his honor again and for his glory. So with that in mind, let me uh, move on to a seventh purpose and, uh, excuse me, principle. Um, and, and I should have said at the beginning and kind of clued you in from the folks from Canada, we are looking at a total uh, of 25 principles. So if you come back about six months from now, we might be on the, no, actually we'll get further than that, but we're looking at a total of 25 principles. We're going to hit number seven now, right now, okay? Number seven, their goal and purpose, their goal and purpose of spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts are given to believers in Christ for the purpose of building strength unity and effectiveness in the body of Christ, resulting in God being glorified. That's a lot, so I'm going to say it one more time. Spiritual gifts are given to believers in Christ for the purpose of building strength, unity, and effectiveness in the body of Christ, resulting in God being glorified. Let's kind of break that down a little bit. First of all, the word edify. You know what that word means. It means to build or to build up, right? to build up, to strengthen, to make stronger is the idea. And when you decide to have a house or a building built, you want it to be strong. You really do. You don't want it, you don't want the building to 
look crooked because the foundation is weak and it's starting to sink. You don't want the roof to sag because the builder chose to use inferior materials or weak uh, went too light on the lumber, weak materials. You don't want parts of the walls to come apart because they didn't um, tie it together properly with the proper fasteners and nails and bolts and screws, you know. You don't want any of that, obviously. You want a building that will stand tall and strong against the wind and the rain, especially if you're a Floridian and you have to endure these hurricanes from time to time. Or if you live in Michigan, you want the roof to be strong when you got three or four feet of snow up there. Canadians, you can relate to that too somewhat, right? Um, No, you want a building to be strong. And the same is true with the temple, that spiritual house that Christ is building, of which we are living stones. God wants that building to be strong. And he calls his church or his ecclesia, that called out assembly, uh, he wants it to be strong. And Peter says it's a spiritual house for a holy priesthood. He wants it strong, unified, and tied together rather than divided, as Lanny read from 1 Corinthians 3. He wants it to be strong. The way you make it strong, the way you build it up, is when all the believers... Uh, know what their gifts are and they're exercising their gifts and they're yielded to the Holy Spirit and they, in that way, uh, the Lord working through them produces that strength and that unity. Um, So when the storms come or when the, the attacks are leveled against the church, it remains strong. And that's why I make these following statements, B, C, and D. Uh, First of all, spiritual gifts are given to build strength. Very simple statement. Secondly, spiritual gifts are given to build unity, not division. If the Corinthians would have understood spiritual gifts properly and exercised them properly rather than abusing certain ones, they would not have had the problems they had with division in the church. And then thirdly, spiritual gifts are given to build effectiveness in manifesting Christ to the world. That is so important. A well-functioning body that accurately portrays the light and character of Christ to the world. That's what the Lord wants. Um, And spiritual gifts help produce that. And as we've seen, even though there are a variety of gifts and ministries and effects, we're all building the same building. Amen? How many churches are there? One. One Lord, one faith one baptism, one God and Father, one Savior, one church. That's what unity is about. Um, We're all, again, building the same building. We're all serving the same Lord. Biblical unity is not about, it's not about some kind of religious, ecumenical, ecclesiastical unity that's based on some sort of sentimental, wishy-washy doctrine um, that says we're all we're to be tolerant of all denominations and of all beliefs, no matter what the Bible says. That's ecumenism. That's not the kind of unity the Bible is talking about. This is a unity uh, that is true of us in Christ. It's the unity that the Lord Jesus prayed for in John chapter 17. It's the unity that truly already exists in, in a positional sense, and we are to live accordingly. And one of the ways we 
do that is by exercising our gifts properly in the church. Uh, It's not where we just come together and we're nice and loving and tolerant of all beliefs and then we'll all be unified. I mean, you you know, give peace a chance, bro. You know, that's not the idea. No, it's the idea of, uh, well, biblical unity is this simple. Let me say it this way. It is where the one Lord and master, Jesus Christ, has one master planned to build his church and we all get in line with that and submit to that. If we all do that as one, we'll have unity. Amen? Amen. It's, it's really true. Um, does that mean there's no diversity in the body of Christ? No, there is all kinds of diversity. Just look at you. Look at us, right? We all look different. Uh, we all have different gifts. We all have different personalities. It doesn't deny any diversity, uh, but we all look to the same Savior, and he has basically one will, and he wants to build his church And he has a way that he wants to do that, and it's revealed in his word. And that's why we're studying these spiritual gifts in the first place. Um, So important to understand that. Also, as such, we recognize Jesus as Lord. Uh, Paul says that in 1 Corinthians 12 there. He says, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Well, anybody can say the words Jesus is Lord. No one can say Jesus is Lord and truly understand that and say it in a heartfelt way where you're convinced of that, that he is your Lord, he is your Savior, uh, except by the Holy Spirit as he reveals that to you and makes that truth understandable. So as such, Jesus is Lord. He is in charge of the project. Amen? He is Lord. He's in charge of the project. He's the master contractor of this building project. We are his obedient servants and his co-workers. That's what we are to be. And he has supernaturally, it's so amazing, his grace, supernaturally gifted his people and commanded them to use those abilities he's given to each one to build and strengthen others in the church. Not only that, but in his word, he has commanded and instructed us exactly in how to do that. He's explained to us how to do that. And the result is that the one true church that Jesus wants built is built. It will be built. It will be completed. And God will be glorified. Peter said in 1 Peter 4.11, after, right after verse 10, where he says, as each one has received a gift, he says, whoever speaks, let him speak as it were the utterances or the oracles of God. Whoever serves, let him do so as by the strength which God supplies so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Again, First Peter 4.11. Thus, when the church is made strong and unified through believers exercising their gifts, then the church is effective in manifesting Christ to the world. You see. We then accurately portray the light and the character of Jesus Christ to the world. That's what the Lord said in Matthew chapter 5, uh, 14 to 16. Since you are the light of the world, he said you are to let your light shine in such a way that they may see your good works and do what? Glorify your Father who is in heaven. That's right. 
That's right. And when the church is being built up and it demonstrates unity to a watching world, then men will glorify our Father who is in heaven. Why? Why is that? It's because then they recognize how that's possible. I mean, people look at the world, what do they see today? They see people hating each other politically and other in many other ways. They see hatred. They see division. Uh, they see murder. They, they see all kinds of things. Um, but if they see true unity, and we would add to that love, since the Lord said in John 13, the way they'll know you're my disciples is when you love one another. When they see that love and that biblical unity, they'll say, hey, this isn't, of, this isn't of human origin. This has to be of God. And in that way, God is glorified. What, what, a, what a wonderful plan. It's amazing our Lord would come up with such a plan, isn't it? Well, not really. I mean, he is God, right? Quite a plan. That's right. Um, one more thing. Boy, I've got one more here. But I don't think I have time to do it. Okay, I'm going to make you wait until next time. The practical benefits. The practical benefits, okay? Uh, I have to give you, I'll just give you one. Just one. Then I'll give you the rest later, okay? This is very important and it's, it's very brief. Practical benefits of spiritual gifts. First one, only one I'll give you today. Knowing and understanding the gifts we possess creates in us a sense of mission and calling. Point is, if you know what your spiritual gift or gifts are, if you know what that truly is, how God has gifted you, how he has enabled you by his spirit, then that will motivate you, that will um, give you an incentive and a purpose. Say, God has gifted me and he's called me to a very specific purpose, to exercise such and such a gift. And that motivates you, that gives you incentive to serve him. Uh, Dr. Lindsay Garman wrote the following, quote, Common sense tells us that individuals serve most effectively and joyfully when their talents fit their tasks. How many 300-pounders are placed at the position of quarterback in the NFL? Too often, sincere and conscientious Christians have carried heavy loads of guilt because they were expected to perform tasks for which they have little or no ability. The happiest and most effective Christian servants are those who are functioning in ministries where they can clearly recognize some sense of calling, some degree of skill, some level of enthusiasm and vision, and feel competent, competent to serve. End quote. Do you get the point? When you know what your gifts are, given by God, you know what he has called you to do, then you, boy, you just can't wait to do it. Then you have a passion for doing that ministry. So I'm praying that as we go through this study, if you don't know what your gifts are, I'm praying that you'll discover those, that you'll understand, boy, God has gifted me in such and such a way. And no wonder I have such a terrific desire to do that particular ministry, right? That's where we're headed. So let's close in prayer. Father, thank you for your word. And Lord, we desire to fulfill 
to fulfill your purposes for our lives. You saved us through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. You've redeemed us. You've given us a place in heaven. But Lord, you've also given us a purpose for living in this world. You've gifted each one of us to, in unique ways, be able to serve the body of Christ and our our brothers and sisters in Christ. Oh Lord, help us to understand those gifts and those abilities and then to do that which you've called us to do. For Lord, we know then your church will continue to be built as you've called us to be your fellow workers in the church. Continue to be built and you will continue to be glorified. And that's our desire, Father. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Thank you. Lord bless you.